Before we get started with this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, let me let you know that it's brought to you by Draft, Draft.com. Fantasy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on Draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why you need to try Draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft. Playing a real-life NBA, NFL, or for this podcast purpose, PGA Draft right now. Be done drafting in under five minutes and get paid out the day the tournament is done. The PGA version is great. You draft, you enjoy the four days, and you collect your money Sunday night. Drafts are filling every second so you can join them whenever you want. All new players, this is the catch. All new players, when they make their first deposit, get entry into a real money draft by using the promo code SD Sports. You gotta use the promo code SD Sports to get that free entry. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. For some crazy reason you do not like draft, they are offering a hundred dollar money back guarantee. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now. But you have to use the promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now, welcome to this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. Lay. And welcome back, everybody, to the always pressing PGA DFS podcast. Tonight, we'll be previewing the 2018 Arnold Palmer Invitational. Make sure you check out the podcast on Twitter at AlwaysPressDFS. And I will introduce the co hosts as usual. We have on Twitter BPSnow11. Bucks, how are we doing? Doing great, Bubba. Glad to be back doing this another week, another Tiger week. Another Tiger week. We will get into that for sure. But before we get into that, we introduce Mr. Paul Casey himself. You can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Oh, and he's rocking the Tiger shirt. Jesse, how are we doing? So I think it's it's pretty evident. Paul Casey wins. Um, it's the week after. I'm gonna be happy, you know. So that's just how this thing works. Um, I do have the Tiger shirt on though, uh, because I am true to the Tig. Um, he's back. So let's get after this. Let's get after this. Um, let's recap the Valspar real quick. And Jesse, I'm going to let you have the floor here. Your boy, he finally took one down. First time in like nine years for Paul Casey. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, he finally was able to roll in some putts on a Sunday. Uh, set up just about as good as you can possibly set it up for him. He was well ahead of leaders. He was, I think, like seven holes or so after you know before the last group so he was able to um roll in some putts man he played some really solid golf the ball striking of course is always there it's never an issue with him it's just a matter of can he make putts and it finally happened uh you know firing 66 on sunday to take it down by one shot over tiger so uh and patrick but we'll talk about patrick and tiger here in a minute the the big deal is Paul Casey finally won. Now, I did not bet him to win. Um, I don't know what, how we avoided that last week, Bucks. Uh, we always bet him to win. 
Um, but I did have him on DraftKings, so that was fun. <laughs> well, maybe this week. Well, he's not in it this week, so you're good. But, uh, yeah, he was a ton of fun on DraftKings. I had him and Justin Rose matched up and worked out okay. Uh, Bucks, what are your thoughts on Paul Casey finally taking one out? Six under on Sunday after an even par Saturday. Yeah, it was um, super exciting to see Paul Casey finally pull one out. I mean, we've been rooting for him forever. I mean, we literally play him every single week because he's that kind of perennial guaranteed top 15 guy. Um, I think the one singular week I'm not rooting hard for Paul Casey was last week when I was rooting hard for Tiger. So it was a, uh, it was kind of bittersweet. I I think um, Paul Casey won the golf tournament. He didn't backdoor into it. He won that golf tournament. I mean, he played phenomenal that final round and that's been his crutch, right? I mean, he typically is money. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then kind of tanks it on Sunday or just kind of plods around the golf course. But I don't know what happened. He went bananas. So um, good for him. Great event overall. Yeah, he did it in the most Paul Casey-like fashion because the putter has not been friendly to him for the most part. You know, he's only hitting so many greens. I think it was nine out of 18 or even might have been worse than that. Basically, the stats they had for Paul Casey would not have resembled the winner most weeks it was pretty pretty impressive he got it done and we're definitely happy about that happening um but it did come at the expense of one eldrick woods who was outstanding going into the weekend or into sunday even one shot off the lead um made the big big birdie putt at 17 that i was we were having lunch and a couple cocktails in the clubhouse and that place erupted and i can only imagine what everywhere else was it was insane and comes up just short on 18 from forcing the playoffs. But, uh, Bucks, I'll let you have the floor first on this one. Tiger's back, and there's no sugarcoating it anymore. Yeah, I mean, he is, I think. Especially when you consider, I mean, Tiger's solid, like super solid. But on courses like um, the Honda, courses like Valspar, even courses like we'll talk about this week, where you don't have to hit driver, he is elite. I mean, he's right back to being elite because um, his iron game, wedge game is on point right now. His putter has started working. Um, he, he didn't really quite have it Sunday, but overall, yeah, he's back. I mean, and you can't discredit how hard it's probably probably been for him to make it back. I mean, he was dominant for – 15 of the better part of 20 years and had a couple rough years, but he seems to be playing with more confidence. He seems to be playing, um, honestly, he seems to be having more fun. I think we saw Tiger of old on Sunday where he was like super in the zone. Um, And it was really, really fun to watch. Um, So yeah, Tiger's back. Um, and Tiger matters, man. He, he pumps the ratings. He pumps DK. Nobody, nobody can question that. Um, no. so the talk, I'm excited. Yeah. The talk excited around, 
the talk all over Twitter about how he doesn't influence a tournament on DraftKings is some of the f- most foolish conversations I've seen. And it's just an, it's, it's just another you know DraftKings ploy to act like they don't know what the frick they're doing. It, it's embarrassing to watch. Yeah. Um, and they showed the ratings this week in the highest non-major event in years. And oh wait, yeah, Tiger was in contention, folks. Let's just—it's it's really easy to figure out, like you said, but And I love watching this new Tiger out there. He's—you know—they they talk about how he's talking to the kids. He, he never talked to his competition before when he was playing ever. Like that was a no-no. When he had that putt on 17, he was smiling. That was like you never saw that back in the day. He would have been laser focused, ready to roll. It was pretty cool to see him. Uh, Jesse, what were your thoughts on Tiger this weekend? Yeah, he was impressive. Um, he lost a stroke on the greens Sunday, and that was the big difference because he birdied one and then didn't birdie again until 17 and had a bogey in between there. And you're just leaving everything short. And I got to think that that's a little bit of nerves um, because I don't care how great you've been at something. You know, it's been a long time since, or a long time in golfing world anyways, since he's been great at golf. So there's got to be a little bit of nerves there. Um, and I, I suspect that was kind of what it was as far as leaving a lot of putts short. But, uh, yeah, I was impressed um, with, with how we played this weekend. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's only going to be good for the game again. I mean, just imagine him now with all the other good golfers we got. You know, I tweeted something out about uh, this being the greatest golf season ever, potentially that we're witnessing, and I still believe that 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 this this potentially could be the best golf season of all time. Well, it, it's just great. You know, Tiger's going to come through. Phil finally hits the hits the win. Casey gets a win. The young guys are winning. It's it's a lot of awesome stuff. Uh, you know, a couple other things from the weekend. Pat Reed, even though he kind of well, he did blow it on eighteen there. That was that was rough to see. He did have a good week for Patty Reed, who's been very up and down. And then there's just a lot of other good things. You know, Justin Rosen chokes on Sunday. Snedeker was just horrible on Sunday. But then there were some other guys that made that that came through big. Uh, any final thoughts on the Valspar Bucks? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm disappointed in um, Connors. I, I was rooting for him. Um, I thought that he, he well, he obviously had a chance. Um, but when you looked at the leaderboard, you had <laughs> so many of these top guys, right? And then you had Connors up there, um, and we kind of thought this was that it was going to happen. But you were hoping it wasn't. I mean, young guy, kind of dream scenario for him. Um, so that was a shame. Uh, the the last thing that I'll kind of mention is is Patty Reed, and only one shot in particular is the second shot into what is it par five 15th or six 15th um he had to yeah double dog leg par five he had to hit this i think 260 yard three wood and slice it like 60 yards um and he hit this shot and helicoptered his finish and it was incredible man like he hit it and immediately knew it was on point. Like he started walking after it and left himself like 12 feet for Eagle. Um, at that point I was like, yeah, Pat Reed is going to win this golf tournament. And then he just choked it away on 18, which was super disappointing. Yeah. What about you, Jesse? Any final thoughts? 
that was you're talking about 14 there, but yeah, he. That, 14, that, yeah. I, I thought he, I thought he had it on lock after that too. So that putt he hit on uh, on 18 ended up going three inches according to Shot Tracker. He probably <laughs> traveled a good 90 though, um, 90 feet, or at least you know at least probably 70 feet. But yeah, it was crazy tilting leaderboard, um, super tilting for me because you had the likes of Trey Mullinax in the top 10, Jim Furyk out of nowhere. Um, Steve Stricker. I mean, Stricker. We, talk, we talked about Stricker. Sean O'Hare, Ryan Blom in the top 20, TJ Vogel, Vogel, Abraham Answer, who like finishes dead last in Mexico in his home. You know, it's just, it was a weird weekend all around for me. Um, but it was fun to watch because the name's up top. And uh, so, like I said, greatest golf season ever. It's happening. Move on. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys this question, though, and just give me like a 140 character Twitter response each. Do you have a problem with Pat Reed wearing red and black on Sundays? Bucks. No. Jesse. No, not at all. No. Okay. I just, I didn't care about it at all, but it's more controversial than I thought it would be all of a sudden. I really didn't care about it. Like, he's done it in his whole career. So that's it. That's the thing. He's always done it. That's, that's what I thought. He's, he does it because of Tiger. That's why exactly. he, does he, he does it in honor of Tiger. It's like he's but not he trying to steal it from him. He shouldn't change it just because Tiger's one group behind him. Here's yeah. the dream scenario. They're in the they final play together. group of the Masters, both wearing the exact same outfit. That would be hilarious. That would be great. <laughs> that would be outstanding. And then I have a legit hey. question. And I might wait real quick, and then I'll let you have it. I have a legit question because we couldn't figure it out Saturday or Sunday at the golf course. How do they determine who's in the pairings? Because when they had like the three-way tie, why wasn't Tiger in a final pairing? It's all about who turns in their scorecard first. Yeah. Okay. See, we couldn't figure out an answer. I thought maybe it was official golf rankings or something. We couldn't figure it out. Nah, it's just all got to do with when you turn your scorecard in. Yeah. That's simple. First in wins. (laughs) First in wins. If you ain't first, you're last. Okay, Bucks, you have one more question? No, I I just wanted to – while I was thinking about it, because I was going to forget it, if you haven't checked out the new PGA Tour AR app, yeah, it's it pretty is cool. Ridiculous, insane. Yeah. Check it out because it's awesome. Can't wait cool. to use that. I'm one hole. <laughs> I'm one hole. Yeah. Hole. <laughs> nice. All right, let's do some van- fan share uh, recap of the weekend, and we'll get into your Arnold Palmer Invitational preview. Uh, Jesse, give us a little recap of the Valspar. Yeah, it was a bloodbath from a DFS perspective as far as chalky names missing the cut. Um, you had the likes of Stinson, uh, who was highly owned, Spieth, who was highly owned, Strillman, Finau, and Duffner all missing the cut. Um, it was pretty similar to the Honda in that 6-6 percentage was super low. I think it was around – you know, between, depending on which contest, probably about 3%. And then 5 of 6 was only around, you know, 15 to 17%. So you only had about 20% of lineups. I cashed one lineup with 4 of 6 because I had Paul Casey um, in the 444. So that was that was excellent. Uh, only 5 out of the 10 of the most tag golfers on, um, on Fanshare made the cut. And um, but there were some good pivots again. Uh, the guys that were fan chair doing a pr- really good job of finding the pivots, and that's one thing that I always do is look at their uh, ownership projections, look at the guys who are going to be highly owned, and then try to find the guy 
that's right around that same price range that potentially in a GPP I can pivot off of into uh, maybe a missed for the Valium guy and got more points on the weekend. So sweet, yeah. No, it was a uh, very good as usual. I'll get into the Arnold Palmer fan share info in a bit. Let's get to the preview, Jesse. Give us some past event history of the Arnold Palmer. Yeah, so it's been played at uh, Bay Hill here for long time. Uh, it's had many different names. Last year, Mark Leishman um, beat Charlie Hoffman and Kevin Kisner by one shot. Year before that was Jason Day. This is where we start to get a little weird. Matt Every won in 2014 and 2015. Uh, and before that, a, a guy named Tiger Woods. Um, you guys have heard of him or not. He's a champion in 2013, 2012, 2009, 2008, 2003, 2002, 2001, 2000. So it's only one, uh, I think, eight times. Yeah. My God, it's eight wins. That is uh, pretty Tiger is four. I think he's won four of his last five starts here. Um, which is not bad. Pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty decent, I would say. Uh, Bucks, you got a course preview for us? Yeah, man, of course. Um, so this is obviously – well, first things first, this is the Arnold Palmer Invitational. This is kind of – this is the first event of his since uh, – I guess since his passing, right? This is the first one they'll have here that he's not at. Second. Second. Last year was the first one. Gotcha. So I know that him alone drives quite a quite a few of these guys coming out there, which is cool. Um, but I was looking up Arnold Palmer earlier, and uh, he had from 1960 to 1963 he had 29 wins and five majors. How ridiculous is that three-year stretch? Just unreal. So, um, yeah, awesome event. It is at Bay Hill, 7,400 yards, so decently long track. But it is a par 72, so, I mean, based on the courses we've been seeing, uh, like the Valspar being – it's probably playing around the same distance, to be honest with you. So, um, nothing too crazy here. It is Bermuda Green's. And I think, honestly, we continue kind of that that Florida swing. I mean, the Honda, the Valspar, and now the Arnold Palmer, it's just super tough tracks when you consider um, a lot of the other events. I think this is in the top 10 hardest courses on tour. Um, Jesse already covered kind of the average winning score, that kind of thing. But um, it's a difficult golf course that requires – all facets of your game again, just like the Valspar. Um, so you have to have length off the tee. You have to have precision into these greens um, because it went through a redesign and um, the greens are fairly small, but there's a lot of little undulations. There's a lot of runoffs. Um, and so you have to ooh, saved it. Um, you, you really have to, uh, Uh, be patient around the greens, be creative around the greens. Um, And there's a ton of hazards and bunkers 
um, that kind of thing. So you really have to have your patience as well. There are nine holes with dog legs, 35 fairway bunkers, um, and 10 holes where water comes into play, including those final three holes that always provides um, quite a bit of fireworks. So um, as far as the course goes, there are four par threes. They average 216 yards, which is rough. Like all of them play over par. Uh, three of them are over like 4% in the double bogey range. Just crazy. Uh, there are 10 par fours. Um, they're averaging uh, right around 450 yards. And then there's four par fives averaging 550 yards. So they're gettable par fives. Last week at the Valsparo was something like um, 34% of all scoring or 37% of all scoring came on the par fives at the uh, API here is even higher. So premium on par five scoring. Um, that being said, there are uh, a couple par fives um, where it is a true, true risk reward hole. Um, number six is a perfect example. It's fairly short par five dog leg left water all up the left side. And the average score is 4.8. So it plays a ton under par. Um, one of the easiest holes on the course, but over 5% of the scores on that hole and 5% is super high for this stat over 5% of the scores on that hole are double bogey or worse. And so there's true risk reward play there. Um, this is a hole a couple years ago where Rory stuck in a long iron to like two feet, um, in the final round. Um, but again, there's a, a wide variety of holes here. Um, that really tests a player's patience off the tee. Um, as far as the approach shots, par threes, like we said, 160 or two, 216 yards on average. On the par fours, the average approach shots 169 yards. And then on the par fives, if you're not going for it in two, it's 90 yards. Um, but overall, I fully expect um, it to be uh, somewhere around that kind of 11, 12 under mark, and I expect there to be some fireworks on the last few holes coming into Sunday. So it, it should be a fun event to watch. Yeah, it should be another good one, as always. Pretty good field. Uh, being an invitation, only 120 players instead of 144. Still 70 are making the cut. So only 50 cuts this week. So six to six might be a little more common this week. We shall see unless the chalk gets nailed again like last week. Some big chalky boys went down. Yeah. Um, with a lot of the similarities you've seen of late, uh, Jesse, what are some of the key stats you're looking for as you build your lineups? Yeah, this week uh, I think we, you know, this is what the 10th tournament of the year or something like that. So we've got some decent more long-term stats. When I say long-term, I'm talking like, um, you know, within the last 12 weeks. So, I start looking at a little bit more long term than just your recent stuff, but either way, always greens and regulation. Um, scrambling, I think, is a uh, is a big deal this week as well. Um, and birdie are better because I mean you can make some that the, the scores here can can get low. Um, it just depends on I think the weather quite a bit, but uh, also bo bogey avoidance as well. So that's pretty much what I'm looking at. Nice. Bucks, yeah. what are you looking at? Yeah, fairly similar. I mean, every single week I'm looking at um, 
DK points, uh, birdie or better, bogey avoidance, recent form, that kind of thing. And I, I think last week, I don't know who posted it, but we talk about it quite a bit, but you can't look – when you're playing DK, you can't look at just somebody's average finishing position. Right. Not, I'm not talking about DK. I'm talking about the leaderboard because it, it matters, right, for cut reasons. But from a points perspective, there are guys that finished – 25th or worse that were in the top 10 in DK points, like Cam Smith. Cam Smith didn't finish. I mean, he finished well, but he was like top five in DK points last week. It was just, and that's what he does. Like the guys that can make birdies and still make some bogeys, um, it makes a huge difference. And so while, yes, you want a cut maker, you really do have to focus on their DK points, their scoring, the birdies, that kind of thing. With that being said, as mentioned, um, this course does require your full bag, right? You have to hit all the shots. You have to be on point. And so this week, Jesse already mentioned scrambling, but this week I'm really keeping it simple. Um, strokes gain total, so the full facet of your game. Greens and regulation, because that seems to be a key stat uh, for the guys that finish well here. And then really par five scoring. There's 40% or higher of all your points are coming from those four par fives. Um, so that's going to be a huge key for me. Yeah, I dig it with all of everything you guys were saying there. Uh, let's get into some of the fan share info from the tournament last year, your top 10 DraftKings scorers from the field that are in the field this year. So might not be the 10 overall cause some might not be playing, but the winner Leishman had it all, but he only beat Rory by four and a half points. Then you had Charlie Hoffman, Kevin Kisner, Emiliano Grillo, even after throwing his club into the water, was your fifth highest drafting scorer. <laughs> yeah, Tyrell Hatton, Ricky Fowler, Francisco Molinari, Tommy Fleetwood, and Lucas Glover. And just remember those names when we go through the picks because there's at least half of those that are dirt cheap this week. So uh, something to think about there. They did have good success here last year. A couple other things I wanted to briefly mention. When you took at, talk about the uh, top ten recent you know highest owners that are in the field this week in order you got Fleetwood and he'll probably be chalky again this week Justin Rose has been um, on average almost 21 percent lately uh, in the last three events Chasson Hadley even though he's been playing poorly he's almost a 20 percent usage on average Zach Johnson Matsuyama who's back this week after withdrawing from Phoenix Mark Leishman Kevin Streelman Cameron Smith Henrik Stenson and Jason Day so most of those names you'd expect a couple stand out and last but not least, your uh, current form average DraftKings points in the last 10 games for people in the field. Jason Day, um, and then we got some surprising ones. James Hahn, second most average drafting point in the last three events at 81.6. Yep. AJ McHenry, 77.5. Most don't even know who that Ooh. is. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. AJ McHenry, I'm guessing he's in the 6K range. Um, Jason Kokrak, Cam Smith, Tommy Fleetwood, Bubba Watson, Zach Johnson, Luke List has been playing very well of late, and then Amaliano Grillo. So most of those names, yes, you expect. Some of those, not so much. So keep that in mind when we go over that list throughout the week. Usually some of those kind of surprising names, they pan out. So if you're looking for tiebreakers or whatever, keep them in mind. All right, let's get at it. We have five guys in the 10K and above this week. Pretty good field, as always. Like you said earlier, they like to bring the big names out. I, Tiger Woods mentioned after he lost on Sunday, 
he wanted to play this so bad for Arnie. So we got Jason Day at 11-8, Justin Rose at 11-5, Rory McIlroy at 10-7, uh, Ricky Fowler at 10-3, and Tiger Tiger Woods at $10,000. Uh, Bucks, take us away. Yeah, I mean, the number one guy in this range for me is Justin Rose. Um, he is third in strokes gained total, and this is just the last 24 rounds. Um, he's sixth in DK points, fifth in birdies. Um, I love the way he's been playing. I think he'll be super motivated after last week. Um, so Rose is my top play here. That being said, I do love Justin or Jason Day. Um, again, I think if, if I spread out my lineups this week and maybe play like four or five, I'll probably have a couple of Jason Day. Um, I think this week, more than any week I've seen in a long, long time, you can take Jason Day and get a boatload of guys that are in the low sevens that are solid, like really good. The pricing this week is like so soft down low that I think ownership is going to be spread out. Um, But I do like Jason Day, Justin Rose, and then – um, I have mixed opinions on Tiger. Like, there's no way anybody can argue that he's not playing better than almost anybody on the planet right now. Um, I am just interested in seeing on a course where he'll have to hit a little more drivers um, what he'll do. But honestly, he hit, the, he hit his driver well last week. And so I fully expect Tiger to top 20. And if I have a guy for 10K top 20, I'm all in. So I, I, I like it. Nice. So what about you, Jesse? Yeah, this <clears throat> it's it's easy to check off some of these names and just totally discount them. I mean, like Rory, he I don't know what is going on with him. But I was just looking last year coming in here, he had like a bunch of top tens in a row. He was twelve thousand and he was still chalk, he's all get out. So I don't know if that translates to the same type of thing with Jason Day this, this year. I do like Jason Day quite a bit. Um, he's got a good course history here, past winner. Second, first, 11th, 11th in his last four. Um, it's hard to argue with that. I'm interested to see, because you know Tiger's getting a lot of buzz. But what tends to happen is with ownership, when that happens, somebody's got a lot of buzz, oh, he's automatically going to be chalky, and then – He's not nearly as chalky as what you think he's going to be. Um, I talk about it all the time, but I just don't know where – because he's just not been around long enough for me to put be able to put – like to have a feel for where his ownership is going to be. Um, I don't think it'll be 40%, but I could see 20 to 25%. And for that reason, I mean, he's an okay play to me. Um, I don't know that I'll have any. But I wouldn't talk anybody out of playing him if, if you were playing him because he's got good form coming in. For sure. Yeah. No arguing that at all. I'm a big Jason Day guy this week. I, I like everything about him. Um, and I agree with what you said on Rose. Those two guys would be my top two here. And they're the top two priced guys. There's really no hiding that. But if it, outside of that, I agree on the Tiger Woods thing. The, the idea of the high ownership scares the snot out of me. But – it's one thing to monitor for sure. Cause like you said, Jesse, if he's 20 to 25%, that's still not going to be horrible. You can deal yeah. with that. Yeah. Cause think about how often do we play Paul Casey and he's this chalk of the chalk these days. Yeah. Oh, every, yeah. every week, every single week. Think about it. Yeah. 
No, and like you said, Bucks, like you expect minimum top 20 from Tiger. So it's one of those things. If you can just lock that in, you go. In a cash game, don't even worry about it. Just play them. I'm fine with that 100% if you want. Um, but those would be my guys there. Honestly, looking at the builds here, I'm going to try to avoid this range. I say it a lot, but it seems to be working out pretty well of late. I, I really like this uh, 9 and 8K range. But uh, up top, Day and Rose, I like Day more than Rose, but I like them both. And then Tiger Woods is just lock and load. But he's, like you said, everyone's talking about him. So we'll, we shall see how that turns out. And he's the heavy favorite in the field. Let's drop into the 9K range. We got Matsuyama, Fleetwood, Norin, Stenson, and Hatton. Jesse, what do you got? Yeah, so this is this is my range. Um, this is where all the guys are who I roster. This is Team Euro. Yeah, and so what I'm doing this week is I'm getting some Jason Day teams in there. Still debating on whether to put Tiger in a team. I mean, I hate to sit there and watch him because my, my problem last week is I'm sitting there rooting against Tiger because I have zero Tiger. I don't want to root against Tiger. I mean, I have a Tiger Woods T-shirt. Um, I don't want to root against him, so I'm probably going to have to throw at least one or two lineups with Tiger in there. But in this range is where, like, my main plays will come from. Love Fleetwood. Love Norin. Love Norin. Love Hatton. Um, I think Fleetwood will probably be the most chalky out of those three with Norin next and not getting a lot of buzz out of Hatton. But I love his, I love his game coming in. Those super sneaky play. You guys let me know if you're willing to do it or not. Is Stinson coming off the miss? Yes. He was super happy last week. I mean, he missed the cut here last year, but before that he was third, tw- second, fifth, eighth in his previous four starts. And it's not like he can't bounce back from that cut. I don't know what the hell was going on with him last week, but he only hit 44% of his greens, and that's totally on Stinson-like. Um, yeah. So I'd imagine he straightens that out, and I can see him being the lowest owned guy of anybody above nine thousand. Yep, oh, yeah, there's a sure. handful of missed cut chalk that is very tasty this week. Uh, Bucks, what do you like of the nine thousands? Yeah, my number one play here is Norn. I love the way he's at, the way his game is at right now, um, and he's just off the charts from the model perspective. Um, I do love Fleetwood. Always love Fleetwood. Um, but as Jesse mentioned, I think that the sneaky play here is going to be Stenson. He's going to be, I, I think he'll be sub 7% owned because he burned so many people last week. Um, so honestly, I, I am going to have a, a few, and this will be a week where I probably go heavier on lineups because I like so many options up top, but I'll probably have a couple day, a couple tiger, a couple rows, but I am as usual. I will have a couple, a bunch of lineups where I start like in this 9K range and work my way down um, and see how that works out. But starting at Stenson at like 7% or something and working your way down is a huge differentiator. Big time. Uh, yeah, I always love Fleetwood, but I agree at, with Jesse that I think he might be the chalkiest guy in the field this week. There's a good chance of that because that price doesn't justify the player he is. So my top guy in this range is with you, Bucks, is Norn. I absolutely love him. I've been playing him the last few weeks. He's been out there, and he's just been, you know, T14, third, T16, T21, T2. 9200 bucks. give me a T20 or better, and I am in, like you said, with Tiger. So sign me up. I think I wouldn't be shocked if he's contending come Sunday. Um, Hatton, I love it. I like a ton. Jesse, you nailed it. He just gets overlooked. 
T3 miscut, th uh, third T15, T8 in his last five events, and he had a T4 here last year. Very, very good golfer that people don't talk about nearly enough. And then Stenson, you guys nailed it. I love this idea of, you know, the chalk of the chalk, missing the cut. He's made eight of nine cuts at this event. Is la He missed the cut last year, which will scare even more people off. But the four events prior to that, T3, second, T5, T8, like you mentioned, Jesse, he's got four top tens at this event. He knows this course very, very well. So I think if you do like a Norrin, Stenson, Hatton, not with all three, but take two out of those three and just kind of mix and match in your lineups, you could have a nice little twosome up top there and still have a decent amount of money to play with afterwards. So I like that 9K, I, I, lower 9K a ton. You, you can really do some damage. I, 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 I think it's very feasible to do Norrin, Stenson, and Hatton. I, think, I agree. Oh, I agree. Low own stack there if you do choose to do that. Yeah, I think it could be very productive come Sunday. We take this brief break in the always pressing PGA DFS podcast to talk to you about RotoWare, one of the greatest shirts in fantasy sports. They have DFS shirts, fantasy season long, all kinds of great shirts. They're the best quality shirts in the industry. No other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. Premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts, specialized printing process, design as part of the shirt, literally dyed bleached into the fabric, no thick ink. It's ridiculous the amount of options you can find, over 30 different designs, fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, DFS, they keep coming out with more and more and more stuff, men's, women's, kids, you name it, they've got it. There's lots of buzz kicking up in the fantasy industry about it. People are wearing these shirts. They're representing the shirts. They are great quality shirts. And you can have one too. You can have more than one, as many as you want. Just use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, DEGENS, for 20% off your order. Go to rotoware.com or go to at rotoware on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out what they have. They're giving away free shirts all the time on Twitter. But when you go to purchase, use the code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to the always pressing PGA TFS podcast. Let's get into the 8K range where we got Mr. Captain America himself, Patrick Reed, Adam Scott, Bubba Watson, Brian Harmon, lefty, lefty, back to back. We've got the defending champion Leishman, Snedeker, Usti, List, Kokrak, and Jamie Lovemark. Uh, in the 8K range, I'll kick this off here. We've been avoiding Adam Scott quite a bit this week, but if you've watched his play of late, He's slowly coming back into form, and people forget this used to be one of the top, you know, players in the world at one point in time. So, eighty-seven hundred bucks. This could be an intriguing play on him. Uh, Brian Harmon, I like a ton in this range. Eighty-five hundred bucks. Coming off a T five, T thirteen, T seventeen. His last two events here, he's uh, looking to kind of get back into that form which we saw earlier in the year in Hawaii. So, I do like him quite a bit at eighty-five hundred. Um, as you go down. You could go to Sneds for low ownership. I think people will be scared off of him. He's made 9 of 11 cuts at this event. But then Luke List, 8100 bucks. I mentioned how well he has played in his last few events. He's uh, in the top 10 in DraftKings scoring in his last three. Uh, he's made uh, T16 a second in his last two events. He finished T17 here in his only event. And then there's Jamie Lovemark, who's played well. But, you know, I'll never touch Jamie Lovemark. So in, in this in in this range, I really really like uh, Harmon and List, and I'll be looking at some uh, Adam Scott as well. Uh, Jesse, what do you like in this range? Yeah, I definitely won't be playing any Pat Reed. I think his putter was too hot last week, and he won't be able to carry that over. So I'll mark him. He's already off the list for me. But a um, couple guys, Adam Scott playing really well. His putter's getting better, um, but he's just striping the ball. 
Um, so if you can just have some kind of decent halfway, you know, putter, then he can score well here. He's also making a ton of birdies here recently. Um, and has just been scoring a lot of DK points. He can attack the par five. So I do like him. I think one guy who will go, um, kind of unnoticed because he's sandwiched in between Scott and Harmon is Bubba. Uh, he, you know, he's playing so much better now than he was last year or even the year before, really. Um, he still kind of gets overlooked and I, and I really like just the way that he, you know, he's like a, in my mind, I, I picture him as a Phil Mickelson type of guy because he's left-handed and he, the ball. <laughs> so, I mean, Phil's had some success here, so I I, I, I don't mind Butler at all. Um, I'm going to try to get him on a couple teams. Other than that, I mean, Sneds, he's okay for me. Louis, Louis Ostazen, uh, you know, if you want to. He's not doing a whole lot. He did make the cut last year. He's made the cut three straight times he's played here. And Luke List, big fan of Luke again this week. I think this golf course sets up well for him. Finished 17th here last year, so I agree with that, Bubba. Yep. What do you think of this 8K range here, Bucks? Yeah, I mean, there are a few guys here that I love as well. I mean, the the one guy, one of the guys that I'm not sure I can play, but dude was straight fire last year is Leishman and being the former champion um, and sandwiched in between Harmon, Scott, Reed, Snedeker, Roostays, and all those guys, I could see him being eh, decently low-owned. I mean, we, we talk about it, and I talk about it quite a bit, is I don't buy into the whole ownership conversation a ton um, unless I think – guy like Stenson at 7% can win. Um, and so I'm not going to look at ownership too heavily. With that being said, um, I do love me some Brian Harmon this week. I really like his game for this course. Uh, he has been on fire. Um, he is in the top 10 and four of the six kind of stack categories I'm looking at. And so I'll be having a ton of Brian Harmon. Um, Luke List, I do not like Luke List. And so it's pained me how well he's been playing and how chalky he's been. Um, but I don't think that stops. Like, he's been playing great. And um, he makes a ton of birdies. He scores on par fives. He is just solid all around right now. Um, that, like, but... My pivot this week um, is going to be a, a huge pivot from Luke List to Jason Kokrak. I, I really do like Jason Kokrak this week a ton. Um, he makes a ton of birdies. Um, he hits a ton of greens. And the thing that he does best in his game is scores on par fives. He, he crushes par fives. And so... I, I think I am going to – and this is the perfect example of what I was just saying. I don't really look at ownership, but if I have Luke List and Jason Kokrak next to each other and I think Kokrak is half of his ownership, I'm going Kokrak. Yeah, I like that a lot. He's made four straight cuts of this event as well. 
So uh, the cock rock could definitely be in play. I have no problem <laughs> with that as, at all. Uh, let's go to the 7K range. It is loaded per usual. Some really good guys led off with Mr. Alphabet himself, Jesse's boy. Uh, but there are some definite ones in these, you know, 75 and above and 75 and below that are pretty darn nice. Jesse, what are you liking in this area? Yeah, obviously, Kyrdek uh, at 7,900. My issue with him is the same that I have with Grillo at 7,600. They've both been flying all over the country or all over the world, excuse me, all over the world. So Kyrdek went like from somewhere to Mexico, then back to India or someplace else in Asia. I don't know. He's been all, I mean, like I heard, I saw it read today where he, he's flown like 35,000 miles in the last three or four weeks. Yes. Um, I mean, that's just an insane amount and he was looking to be chalky. So I obviously would want to play him, but I'm not sure if I want to play a chalky wore out smoker. So that'll be <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to think about. It's the same thing with Grillo. Like Grillo's stats really pop on my model, but do I want the guy who's you know been flying all over the world? That's just something to think about. I mean, obviously got a little bit of rest in between here, but you know, just trying to think outside the box a little bit. Um, James Hahn is a guy that I will play at 7,600. Um, he has been playing quite well here recently. He did make the cut last year, finished 49th, but 14th, 26th, and, his le- and 11th in his last three starts. Um, you mentioned him earlier as scoring DK points, so I think that's a pretty good price on him. Uh, ben On is interesting to go back to if you're willing to take a risk. He pissed me off so bad last week because I had so much of him. Um, but he just missed one cut. It's not like the end of the world. So I think he makes an interesting GPP play. Uh, Keegan Bradley um, at 7,300 I think is a bit of a steal there the way he's playing. Sam Burns at 7,200. I like him quite a bit. He needs to get, uh, I think – like two more, he needs to score like so many more points to get like tour status or something. So he's got some extra motivation there. Kyle Stanley's interesting to me as well because 7,200 ball striker extraordinaire. Um, he does have two top twenties uh, with a couple missed cuts in four years here. Um, he did withdraw last week. I never really did hear why, but it was pre rounds or it was pre lock. It was actually early Monday and, Corey Connors got in and almost won a golf tournament. So uh, coming off 25th in the in Mexico after two missed cuts. And then last but not least, I know you'll probably hate me or you'll either back me for this, Bubba, but Streels the Reels. Uh, chalky missed cut last week. It's one of my favorite plays of the week. Yeah, um, very good price on him at 7,100. Uh, he's got okay, of course, history here. He's nothing, not done anything special since 2010, but um, he's a cut maker usually, so – I like I like this I like for him to bounce back this week so I'll I'll have some of him as well. No doubt. Uh, what about you, Bucks? <clears throat> yeah, this range is just freaking stacked, dude. Like, you could have a, a an entire team in the seven K range and be completely fine. Um, like, it would not surprise me if like the four dollar or eight dollar one with nobody up top. Like, this range is insane. Um, Cam Smith. Golden Cherub. Golden Cherub. Golden Got Cherub. Got him. Got him. <laughs> um, 
by the way, you, by the way, you have got me on the golden chair bandwagon. I I, I want to tell you that. Every time he's at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. I don't care if he's at the top. Just go ahead and make your eagle birdie double. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but you know who he reminds me of right now, at least price-wise. This is Adam Hadwin last year all over again, where his price is going to just never rise until he wins. Yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. Like, like he he was, and I like overlooked him initially last week, um, but like ended up playing him in two out of my three lineups. And he just scores a lot of points, man. Um, and at seventy hundred bucks, this is that's what I'm talking about. Like you have a like a Stenson Smith like combo there. You have low ownership and super high potential. Um, Cam Smith is seventh in my model in par five scoring, uh, top twenty in bogey avoidance, strokes in total, and then DK points. Uh, like like I said, he just scores a ton of points. A guy that. If I'm going for the all low ownership team, uh, I am going to play Benny on again. Uh, he burned a ton of people last week. I think he'll be sub 10% owned. And he is a par five monster. So I think last week was a, an anomaly. And he kind of rebounds this week. So I love Benny on this week. A couple others that are, are good plays Zach Johnson. Um, Kevin Chappell is ridiculously cheap this week. Um, but two of my favorite plays in the 7K range, Russell Knox and James Hahn. Jesse already mentioned Hahn. Bubba, you already mentioned Hahn. Dude scores a ton of points. Um, the only thing that kind of concerns me about Hahn is he doesn't eat par fives like a lot of these guys. But he, he scores points. Like, makes a ton of birdies, doesn't make a ton of eagles, whatever. Um, but Russell Knox is another guy that I love kind of just been playing well, perfect game for this course. Um, I, I love him this week. Yeah. Knox is that perfect GPP guy. seems like he's all or nothing. So if he, if he makes the cut, he's contending or at least top 20. So that's good. Um, my seven K guys, we already talked about the golden cherub. I'm all aboard that train. Uh, I, I, again, chalky or not, Zach Johnson at 7,700 is way too cheap. Way too cheap yeah. for what he does. It's it's just stupid. Uh, we mentioned it last week, and he paid off. He's made 13 to 14 cuts here with five top tens. So I, I have no problem with him at 77. Uh, but if you want to pivot in that range, as Buck mentioned, it's a great idea. Scott Stallings is 7,700 bucks, and he's playing great golf. Not the best history here, but uh, he's just making cut after cut after cut. T31 last week, T29 prior to that, and then he was a T47, T23. So that's a pivot off of ZJ if you want to be a little different that I don't hate at all. Uh, as you go down the list, uh, CH3, 15 of 17 made cuts here. You know what you're going to get with him. Probably not going to win you anything, but if you were looking for a cash game play, Chucky is always in play for me. And then the farther down you go, Keegan Bradley at 73 is too cheap. So is Kevin Chappell. And if you want to pivot, because those two names I've heard a ton, Stuart Sink is 73 as well. Another just cash game guy, except, you know, Chappie and Bradley you could see T10ing where sync probably not so much. So there's your differentiations there. I love Molinari at 7,300 bucks. Already mentioned how well he's been playing and how, how well he likes this course. Uh, five of five made cuts here with four top 20s and three top 10s in those five events. T7 here last year. So Molinari definitely enjoys this course. He hasn't been worse than T17 in the last four years at this golf course. 
So Molinari at 7300 bucks, I like a ton. He's a core player for me. And then as you go down, you know, Charlie Hoffman's intriguing. He's playing some really funky golf right now. But at 7100 bucks, T2 here last year, you know how, how well he can play. So that's always on the radar. But I, I love the, the Streelman call. Uh, the second I saw these prices at 7100 bucks, he's better than 7100 bucks. I don't care if you missed the cut. To me, that just makes people get scared off even more. He is way, way better than a $7,100 player. He's one of those guys that I can, you know, if he misses the cut, I'm fine with. I wasn't even that, like, of course I was angry that he missed the cut last week, but it didn't kill me because I know how good he really is. And he's made six or seven cuts at this event. So uh, sign me up for some strills at 71. And then one just based on price alone. And this is a guy I can't stand. But he's made eight of nine cuts here, including a top 10. He's only seven thousand dollars. So if you want a cheapie, JB Holmes Ooh. could be sneaky. Ooh. You're talking par five scoring books. JB can sneak on you. And at seven thousand dollars, like GPP wise, he is not a seven thousand dollar player. By like at least he needs to be at least seven thousand five hundred or more. So just price alone, JB at seven thousand is definitely on the radar if you want to go GPP wise. Uh, I, and you know, I'm not a JB guy, but just price alone, you got to find those problems there. And JB is definitely one of those kind of guys. So, yes, Jesse, you're, you're valid in your take. Um, let's go into the $6,000 range where it's interesting as always. You got one of my guys I will be going back to, even though he missed the cut last week. But, Bucks, what do you like in the 6K department? Yeah, there's a couple of guys down here that I actually like. Um, Sam Saunders. Like him a bunch um, this week, maybe in narrative street, but he's been making a ton of birdies. Uh, scores a while in par fives. And then Bryson DeChambeau, um, another guy that I'm going to be on. I mean, he's way too cheap. Um, he's top 25 in five of my six categories. He crushes par fives. And so I'll be all over Bryson this week. Um, this is a week that I don't think you need to go down this low, honestly. And so you could have Jason Day, Bryson, and a bunch of guys in the high seven, low eight range, um, which I think will work out. A couple of the guy, guys that I like, um, Brandon Harkins is a guy that I think has potential here. Um, been playing decent. Um, stats seem to fit the mold here. Um, and then one guy that, honestly, I don't – the only reason I'm mentioning him, mentioning him uh, is because of how good he was as an amateur, the way he played the Masters last year, um, is Curtis Luck. I love this guy. And there's no reason for me to pick him this week, and I likely will not be playing him. But that's a guy that I will be looking at every week that he plays just to see how he's been playing, how cheap he is, because that dude's going to be a baller one day. Like, he is good. Um, and then the last guy I'll mention down here, just because I think you mentioned him earlier, Bubba. Um, again, he doesn't pop on the model or anything like that, but I think you mentioned AJ McInerney or something. Yeah. as like one of the top 10 scores on DK or something yeah, stupid. It's pretty crazy. Um, he's down there at 6,800. So, um, but again, this week, like I said, I don't think you need to get down this low. Um, past like the $6,900 guys. So I don't know. It's weird. I got a question for you, Bucks, because I liked everything I looked at. makes me like DeChambeau quite a bit. But are you nervous that he withdrew last week for a sore back the second time he's done that this year? 
Yes. I mean, honestly, yeah. Yeah, that's I, my only – I like it. That price is too cheap. I agree. I but. think – my thought is if I'm – let's just say I, I do 10 entries this week and I, I do 10 in the 8, the 4, the – I don't know the – I don't know what's out there this week. I haven't even looked. Um, but I have a bunch of lineups. I'll, I'll likely have like two Bryson and hedge everywhere else in case something like that happens. Like I think that could suppress ownership and could be a really great GPP play. No, definitely. Uh, Jesse, what are you looking at in the 6K range? Yeah, I don't want anything to do with the new Louis Oosthuizen, um, a.k.a. Bryson DeChambeau. I hope you guys get on that. I'm going to try to stay out of this region as much as I possibly can because I'm not a huge fan of it. But I'm going to give a couple of plays. Sam Saunders, obviously, Narrative Street, playing very well. Should be, probably be the highest guy I own below probably 72 or 7,300. Um, but I, I, I can see why because he is playing well. A couple of pivots off him would be Aaron Wise or Brandon Harkins. Otherwise, I'm not really trying to get down here. Um, you know, as low as I want to go is Strillman at 7,100. And uh, I'll let, you know, these guys kind of hang. But, you know, of course, I've been saying that for a while now. And these guys are – there's always, like, a few down here that make the cut, and it just tilts me to death. So, yep. we'll see. Um, but I don't want anything to do with Bryson. I'm not on yeah, it. It's, it's like we always say, we're not looking for a winner down here. Just make the cut, and we'll we'll be happy. So, um, you know, John, huh? I'll go back there again. I know we let everybody down last week, but 6800 bucks coming into last week was playing very, very well. And um, that's made five of five cuts at this event. So that's pretty darn good for this range. So John Hutt, 6800 bucks. I'll go back to. And then one that kind of surprised me price-wise, another guy that I don't feel deserves it the way he's played of late, played really, really good golf. I know most of it's on the Euro Tour. But Anavon Lahiri at 6800 bucks is that guy that, out of, out of most of the guys down here, could at least finish higher than you think. But uh, I already made a lineup this week that doesn't have a 6K guy in it, so I'm okay with that. But those are the two I'd look at if I was going down here. Yeah. Um, let's well, talk can go off at any moment. And that's why I like him down there for 6,800 bucks. He's one that can definitely get it in. Um, let's talk punts. Jesse, who you punt with this week? Uh, you know, if – if I got in the 6,000 range, it'd be Harkins. But like I said, as low as I want to go is Strillman 7,100. What about you, Bucks? Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Jesse. But if I play somebody down here, it's going to be Saunders or DeChambeau. And I like both of those quite a bit. Might not be Hutt or Lahiri. But, uh, yeah, stay in the sevens if you can. Let's talk busts of the week. Bucks, who's your bus? Um, bust of the week. That's tough, but Patty Reed. Ooh, I like it. I like it. What about you, Jesse? I don't think it's hard at all. It's Rory McIlroy. Okay, I, I think that's the captain obvious pick. That's the captain obvious pick. Give us something else. <laughs> <laughs> what was happening with that dude, man? I'll tell he's you just, what. Uh, he's he's gonna win one of these weeks, but I'm not gonna be on him when he does. That's all I know. Bust of the yeah. week. I'll go uh, Leishman. Interesting. Mine is going to be Hideki Matsuyama. Oh, that's that, that one's not easy. Okay, Ricky Fowler. 
<laughs> that one's not <laughs> actually i've heard a lot of people like enrique this week i know i know i'm just joking with you I'm yeah i i wrote down three because i knew this was kind of bad. mcelroy fowler and matsuyama all written down Rory's the easy one that's very easy one um let's go uh who is your core this week bucks oh man core this week is going to be <clears throat> likely norin and han um and and obviously the golden cherub. cherub. Yes, yes, yes. Jesse, who's your core? Uh Fleetwood, Norn, and Hatton. Nice. Mine's Norin, Molinari, and ZJ. That will be my core. Okay. Bucks, who's your winner? Norn. Well, Bucks, you and I have the same winner. So Jesse, who's your winner? We don't have the odds pulled up yet either. I forgot to do that. Let me get there. Uh, so if you guys are taking Norn, because like I'll probably one and done Norn. That's what uh, I'm taking one and done in as well. This might be a this might be a bloodbath. <laughs> what's what's Norin and Stenson's odds? Uh, on Bovada, I got Stenson at 33, and I got Norn at 28. Give me both of them, son. Yeah. And then, so if I'm going to pick a winner, I'm going to go with Hatton. I like it as my other choice, yeah. but I pick Norn. So, yeah, go with the Euro Invasion. Team Euro Invasion. Invasion. Stinson. You want to put 50 on each of those guys? And the Cherub. And the Golden Cherub. I like that a lot. Who's that? 55. We got to stay on brand, so I like that quite a bit. All right. <laughs> hey, say so, hey, if um, our boy Casey took it down last week, one of these boys is down to take it down pretty soon. That's for darn yeah. sure. I agree. I mean, Cam Smith is due. He's, yeah, he's, he's been, not one on the PGA Tour as an individual. So, what's yeah, uh, what's been, Benny on? Oh God! <sighs> Keep on scrolling, baby. I was about to say, does it go that low? No, hundred. Not bad. All right. Nope. I'm not going to hate you. <laughs> I like top, it. No. But, yeah, take them top 20. Um, but all right, gentlemen, that'll wrap up our Arnold Palmer Invitational Preview. Bucks, any final words? No. Enjoy the week. See some awesome golf, some big numbers, and uh, go Tiger. Woo! I like it. I like it. Any final words, Jesse? No, that's it, man. It's uh, going to be a great weekend because you got college basketball. you got the Arnold Palmer Invitational. you got Tiger Woods on TV. Talk about setting up a favorites list and just scrolling through it. That's a little pro tip there for you guys. Yep. It's going to be a nice, nice weekend. So it's going to be a lot of rain here, so I'll get to watch a lot of TV, it sounds like. So I'm looking forward to that. But that being said, everybody, thanks for listening this week. Yet again to the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Always Press DFS. Again, Bucks is on Twitter at BPSnow11. Jesse is at DFS Golf Gods. I'm at BDNTrick. And check us out next week uh, for some match play previewing. But for now, good luck. May your screens be green and we cash some money and maybe a Euro invasion. Catch you guys next week. Hey, show, no.